Welcome to Thank God It's Monday with Tony Aliogan Raphael. Are you looking forward to your 28th birthday? Or are you trying to remember what you did on that day? For Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, this was a special day he will never forget. Four days after his 28th birthday, Facebook went public and began trading on the Nasdaq stock exchange. On that day, his company was valued at $104 billion and he became a multi-billionaire overnight as his net worth shot up to $19 billion. If you are 20-something, you could respond to this in at least two ways. Either you can be inspired by his entrepreneurial spirit and hard work or be discouraged that you will never reach the height of his success. Most will be discouraged. By age 28, many face what is now called quarter-life crisis. Thanks to the two great lies our culture promotes among children in primary schools, students in college, and professionals in the workplace. The first great lie is this. If you work hard enough, you can be anything you want to be. We hear this a lot these days from motivational speakers as well. The second great lie is like the first one, yet possibly even more damaging. You can be the best in the world if you try hard enough. You could even be the next Zuckerberg. These lies are accepted by many Christians as well as non-Christians. They have catastrophically damaged our view of work and vocation because they have distorted the biblical view of success. Success, defined as being master of your own destiny, has become a cultural idol. If we will rediscover the biblical doctrine of work and correctly understand our vocational calling, we must recognize a more timely and faithful definition of success. The late John Warden, the most successful college basketball coach in history and a committed Christian, was once asked how he would define success. And he replied, success is peace of mind, which is a direct result of self-satisfaction in knowing you did your best to become the best that you're capable of becoming. His definition lines up with how the New Testament defines success. In Jesus' parable of the talent, in Matthew 25, 14-30, he offers profound insight, not only into the definition of success, but also into the purpose of our call to work. Jesus teaches that the kingdom of heaven is like a man going on a long journey. Before leaving, he gives three servants different amounts of money denominated by talents. The man gives five talents to the first servant, two talents to the second servant, and one talent to the last servant, each according to his ability. Upon his return, the master asked what his servant did with the money. The first and the second servant doubled their investments and received the master's praise. The third servant, who was given one talent, safeguarded the money but did nothing to increase it. The third servant was condemned by the master for his inactivity. Whatever they represent, natural abilities, spiritual gifts, or other resources, Talent in this parable at least represent tools God gives us to carry out the mandate he gave man at creation, which is to be fruitful and to have dominion over the earth and to fulfill Jesus' great commission to make disciples of all nations. In this context, we can assume four things from the parable. I will share the four takeaways right after this break.
My head spins up and sipping up and sipping up and sipping lately. All my sins I've been tripping up and tripping my god. Brand new life I've been looking up and looking up and looking lately. Yeah. All these nights they've been cooking they've been cooking me raw raw raw. I am just a man I am just a man. Tears at a funeral, tears at a funeral. I might break. Angry at all the things, angry at all the things I can't change. When you're lost in the universe, lost in the universe, don't lose faith. My mother says your whole life's in the hand of God. Break it down. Welcome back. The first takeaway is that the parable teaches us that success is a product of work. In the book of Genesis, we see that God placed Adam in the garden to work it and to take care of it. We were made to work. As Christians, we have a mission that our Lord expects us to accomplish in the here and now. Far too many Christians today see their salvation as simply a bus ticket to heaven. They believe it doesn't matter what they do here while waiting for the bus. The parable of the talent teaches us what we are supposed to do while we wait for the return of our king. We are to work, using our talents to glorify God, serve the common good, and further God's kingdom. Biblical success is working diligently using all the talent God has given us to produce the result expected by the master. A second takeaway from the parable teaches that God always gives us everything we need to do what he has called us to do. Have you ever wondered what a talent is worth in today's money? It is hard to know for sure. Yet whatever its exact value, in the New Testament, a talent indicates a large sum of money, maybe even as much as a million dollars in today's currency. We are tempted to feel sorry for the servant who received only one talent, but in reality, he received as much as a million dollars from the master and buried it in his backyard. He was given more than enough to meet the master's expectation. Just as the master expects his servants to do more than passively preserve what has been entrusted to them, so God expects us to generate a return by using our talent towards productive ends. The servant was given enough to produce more. It is the same with the gifts that God has given us. The third takeaway from the parable teaches that we are not all gifted equally. Therefore, we are only called to steward our own talents and opportunities, not those allotted to people like Mark Zuckerberg or Aliko Dangote. The most overlooked part of this parable is the fact that the master gives to each servant's talent according to his ability. 
The master understood that the one-talent servant was not capable of producing as much as the five-talent servant. We want to protest this as unfair, yet we know this is true from our own experience. Diversity is woven into the fabric of creation. But even though we are not equally gifted, equality is found in the parable of the talent. It comes from the fact that it takes just as much work for the five-talent servant to produce five more talents as it does the two-talent servant to produce two more talents. This is why the reward given by the master is the same. The master measures success by degree of resources given. When we lose sight of this truth, rather than walk from the place of rest, our work become restless and many burn out. It is the reason why many are also pushed to the brink of senseless comparisons. You should never measure yourself against the result of others, but against the resources you were given. Focus on your talent and master your craft with the sole intention of bringing glory to God by what you do and how well you do it. The last but not the least of the takeaways from the parable shows that we would be held accountable. The parable of the talent is not about salvation or even righteousness, but about how we use our work to fulfill our earthly calling. It is about whole life stewardship. One of my favorite quotes is spoken by General Maximus in the opening scene of the film Gladiator. General Maximus tells his troop what we do in life echoes in reality. While this may not have been true about them, it is certainly true for Christians. Our work matters to God. The fruit of our faithful labor will accrue to us in the end. The unfaithful steward didn't so much waste the master's money, he wasted an opportunity. As a result, he was judged wicked and lazy. We are responsible for what we do for God and what we have been given. And one day, we will be held accountable. Here's where we draw the curtains for today. Don't forget to tune in same station next Monday. Remember to follow me on my Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And the handle is at Tony Aliogeno. Have a blessed week ahead and see you next week.